Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the season and we're now doing our end of season review. So a lot going on at the club but we're going to try and focus in this episode on the last season and, and the kind of the joys of it and kind of take everyone kind of a bit of a bit of a journey back across the season um, and we're going to do it in five parts. We'll do a bit about pre-season and then we'll go through the season um, in five parts um, talk about Salad Cast player of the season and and have a look at our predictions as well that we made last at the start of the season. Um, so on the podcast um, this week, we've got Tom. Hi, Tom. Welcome back on the podcast. It's been a, been a few months. Hello, hello. I'm back. Yeah, the last one actually was the pre-season one, so <laughs> we'll get into this season nicely. Cheers, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and Chris is joining back again. Chris seems to be the regular um, guest co-host at the moment. So yeah, thanks for joining me, Chris. Cheers, Ollie. I think I'm speaking to you more often than my wife at the moment. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining me, Chris. Really appreciate it. And Mike, um, welcome back on the podcast. It's been a couple of weeks, but welcome back on. Thanks for joining me for the end of season review. Yeah, it was a bit of a mind dredge to remember anything that happened in the season. It seems like such a long time ago, but um, yeah, I've been doing my homework today. So I'm, I'm going to be, I would say, 3% more informed than usual on the podcast. So that'll be a real improvement. And you've got the best section as well, which I think will help. I get the fun bit, yeah. We'll get to that in yeah. a bit. <laughs> so let's jump into this podcast we're going to get as we said we're going to go through this end of season review podcast um i think let's just start a little bit with who we signed to cash yourselves back to the summer i'm looking at the numbers and it's just strange actually we only signed four permanent players in in the summer um obviously we didn't sign any permanent players in january either so we signed um, jordan shipley on the 11th of may and we've signed Tom Bayliss, Aidan O'Brien, and Shay Dunkley. So four signings, all in um, by the 1st of July. So that was good to get them in early. And then we obviously hit the loan market as well. So in June, we've got De Costa. Um, July, um, we've got more. Um, and then on September the 1st, we've got a number of players in just before the window is closing with um, Sadie, Rob Street, and Carl Winchester. And obviously in January, our only signing was um, Killian Phillips. Um, so... That's kind of a little bit about pre-season. Pre-season, we didn't have too many games again, played Telford, didn't have that many players. Kind of normal Steve Cottrell's discussion points in terms of not many signings and all that kind of jazz was going on at the start of the season. Um, and yeah, Chris, take us through the, the first part and let's, let's go straight into it. Let's look at the, the start of the season. How, how did we get on? Well, I mean, we'd recruited pretty well, hadn't we? We'd built a stronger squad. Lots of people were predicting us to be the dark horse, but I don't know if people remember, we didn't actually get off to the most spectacular of starts. We only won one of our first six games at the start of last season. So opened with a nil-nil draw against Morecambe and then uh, lost at home to Accrington. We'll mention that again in a minute. And got a 2-1 win at Wickham. That was an impressive come-from-behind victory, but that was very much the exception at the start. As, as had been the case the season before, actually, we were struggling for goals. So we drew a blank in four of our first five league games last season. So things weren't looking that good early on in the season. We had that defeat to Accrington Stanley, where as people will remember Tom Flanagan got sent off in a case of mistaken identity, uh, only for that to later be overturned. And that was a trend for the season. That I'm sure will come up in this podcast again. Uh, as I said, we had that win over uh, Wickham. We had a gritty nil-nil draw with Derby as well, where we played well. It was a real backs-to-the-wall uh, performance that day, I recall. And again, that became a bit of a trend for the season for us. And then as if things weren't going sort of frustratingly enough, I suppose, in those early first few games, 
We lost Dan Udo and we lost George Nurse, both to cruciate ligament injuries, out for the whole season. I mean, they were two massive signings. And if they're back and fight fully fit for August, they're going to feel like two new faces in their own right, really. So that was a, a major setback for us. And yet, despite all that, we did suddenly start to hit a, big, a bit of a purple patch. So from the beginning of September till the middle of October, we won five of our next seven matches. And that really turned our season on its head. Some good performances in that spell as well. Uh, we had a first, we had a win at Forest Green. Do people remember that one? Raquel Pike with his first league goal for the club. I mean, he's actually had a solid season really, but he, he was considered probably a bit of a laughing stock when you go back this far. And Ollie, I know you remember that one well. Yeah, that was a really, really, uh, a game that really sticks in, in my memory. Um, the main reason is it's the last time I saw Glenn, you know, which is really sad. I can picture him clearly in my head um, on the terrace at, at Forest Green. I mean, it's really, really, it's really sad to think that yeah, that was the last time I saw him, and he didn't seem so, he didn't seem great. Um, so that's that's a big memory for me. In terms of the football, it was a really fantastic away day. It was fun and interesting and weird driving through the countryside to get to the park in a field on the hill at the back of the ground. Um, an empty vegan pie. Um, and then, yeah, the game kicked off. And Shrewsbury Town were doing well. It's a very tight little tiny ground with a really nice pitch, though. And Shrewsbury Town did well. And, yeah, Raquel Pike scored in that game and an absolutely fantastic goal. And, yeah, Raquel Pike, the, the man, the enigma, um, he's either, like, absolutely fantastic as he was on that day or, yeah, unfortunately a bit inconsistent. But, yeah, that was a quite a, a big day uh, in my memory for this season. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Glenn there, Ollie, and I was also going to mention him, not for that game, but uh, just a couple of weeks after that game, we played away at Cheltenham, and I actually went with my son with Glenn and his kids to that game. Uh, we travelled in Glenn's car, and I knew at that point he wasn't very well. He uh, he didn't know how just how unwell he was at that point. He was still waiting for his results, and we were talking about it in the car because he, I think he'd only told his kids uh, in the week beforehand that you know that there was anything awry, as it were. So it was a strange day. He he was he was worried. He was anxious, and it. You know, but if you'd, it turned out to be his last ever away game. And if you'd told us that at the time, neither of us would have believed it. Because despite the result, we had a great day out. And we talked about other games that season with the kids because they were having a great time together. And yeah, I'll always remember that game at Cheltenham. It was it was an awful game of football, but it's a game that I think will, for those reasons, will always stay in my mind. Very strange day because, yeah, Mike, uh, yeah, he, he, he didn't get to any more away games but he did get to a couple more home games didn't he around this time just before just before yeah well so I remember that both the games you were talking about he um when he came back he sort of told me how much he loved going away but how much he took out of him and he was he was really feeling the illness but like you say he hadn't had results or anything so um we sort of finally found out how ill he was on the uh, I think it was the, the the day before his birthday actually the 6th of October um the last match I went to him was on the 8th against MK Dons uh, at home when actually he seemed all was well with him, but he, he went downhill pretty quick after that. So, you know, this sort of bit of the season, big blur for me. Um, I won't, probably won't be chipping in too much, but it's just, I was thinking about it before the pod today. I mean, this season just gone was the 29th season. Me and Glenn spent watching the town together. Um, next season will be my first season watching it without Glenn from the start. It'll be the 30th season. I've been a, a regular attender, a season ticket holder. Um, it's going to be incredibly strange. I think it's going to be strange to... For anybody listening to the podcast to start a new season without Glenn giving his preseason roundups and his, his predictions for the for the season and also his um 
you know, there's a never-ending supply of rumours and opinions and outrage and intrigue. Um, this is sort of the end of the season. I've really, I've, I've really missed him being around and to talk football with and and put it all to bed. So closing off the season, bittersweet because we get to we get to look back on what was a historically good season, uh, an enjoyable one, an interesting one, but really bittersweet because you know it, it, it sort of closes a chapter in my life with Glenn. Huge part of my football, watching huge part of my life in general, obviously. Um, so yeah, just just really miss him, and and uh, and it's sad to think that we, we're discussing last games he had, but um, good that everybody still made memories with him when we could as well, I guess. And um, he'll be proud that we're keeping the podcast going. I suppose there's not much more to say than that, but um, yeah, it's tough to think about this period, really. I think. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. So yeah, I was just going to end this. First part, I suppose, I said we won five out of seven. The last of those was a 1-0 win at Fleetwood, and that lifted us up to ninth place in the table, actually, at that point. And, you know, early on in the season, if you'd, if you'd offered us ninth by the middle of October, it felt like we had a platform maybe that we could build on, and maybe there was a bit of playoff excitement starting to buzz in the fan base as early as that. So, yeah, I'll stop there with that section. And I think, uh, Ollie, over to you to take us to what happened from there. Yeah, we. it's really fun, isn't it? This whole season is... is if you think of it as a mountain range, there's two peaks. There's a peak you were just talking about there, Chris, with those wins. And then obviously we have the, the the great run that we had in January as well. And those two peaks have defined our season and where we've collected the most amount of points. Um, yeah, me and Tom have got the kind of like the, I don't know how to call it, the graveyard shifts in some ways in terms of results and wins. Because, yeah, we go into, into October um, and yeah, we don't win in the first. Um, they have six games without a win in this period, um, two two defeats and two draws, and then two uh, more defeats. Um, a memorable performance away at Plymouth. Um, Shrewsbury Town played really, really well on that night, and really actually played played Plymouth. We passed the ball, we did really well. But as as kind of their mode um, of, of winning games this season, they came back and they they got the win in the end, which was frustrating for for us. Um, then we have, then in terms of another highlight for me was the, the Oxford game at home, which was sad. I remember talking to Dave Mateus on that night um, about Glynn, um, which is, uh, yeah, I can't really remember too much about the second half. I remember chatting to Tom as well. Um, I don't think me and Tom can remember anything in that second half of that game. But unfortunately, it was a one or draw, so there's not much to talk about. And then Shrewsbury had two really tough games. We we lost to Barnsley, um, one at home, uh, lost to home, sorry, to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, sorry, away at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and then we had two wins. Um, so we we beat Lincoln City at home 2-0, which was much needed. Um, and then for me, we had my game of the season. So it was coming up to Christmas. It was the 10th of December. Um, we strewed the town to start the game so well. Um, Street scores after two minutes. Then Charles scores after 13. And then they score again to make it 2-1. Q, um, Bolton Wanderers fans chanting, you should have gone shopping. Um, only a few seconds later, um, Sadie scores on the 79th minutes to make it two all and shut the, the Bolton fans up. Um, and then in, in extra time, Shay Dunkley um, comes back and, and scores um, to make it 3-2. And there's nothing more enjoyable, um, especially being a Shrewsbury Town fan, having a, a bunch of arrogant Bolton fans. Um, and to be fair to them, they did make a lot of noise and they were they were good entertainment for themselves and good noise. Probably the, possibly the best away fans all season, actually, to give them credit. And Tom's agreeing with me there. Um, I thought it was a it was it was a very good fan base um, in that respect, but arrogant and saying that we should have gone shopping and then to score and win the game for me that was the game of the season and yeah very very enjoyable one. Did you do you enjoy that one, Tom? Uh, yeah, it sounds out, doesn't it? 
I remember specifically remember you on the, on Twitter. Well, I'm speaking to you after that game, I think as well about how much you enjoyed the comeback after <laughs> that chanting as well. It was yeah, uh, yeah. it was really it was really poetic. nicely well timed. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, just wanted to give a word, Ollie, if it's okay for Christian Sadie in that game as well because he scored that equaliser with ten minutes to go that set us up to go on to win the game. Sadie might not have been at the club if it wasn't for the injury to Udo, but in those early weeks of the season, he was a revelation, wasn't he? A absolute battering ram of a forward. I mean, he had a hide like an armadillo. He'd just go, people seemed to bounce off him when he was going through the middle. And he had a really good season for us. And that, that game was it just typified it. It was a good goal that day, as I recall it. Pace, power, and a good finish, I seem to recall. And then uh, Dunkley popping up, of course, with the late winner. But you're quite right. One of the games of the season, without a doubt. It's always good, isn't it, when you beat one of the promotion favourites? Yeah, it certainly does. Um, it was a, it was a very enjoyable, um, very enjoyable game. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, that was the end of the Christmas joy. I think, I think I can't really think of a Christmas as bad as this. Um, it was, it was really poor. Um, any thoughts, Mike? Uh, I just want to go back a bit before Christmas. Actually, just um, probably you know, and again for a personal reason, my memorable point of the season was. I know we lost one 0 at home to Barnsley, uh, but that was the game where the club did a big tribute to Glenn. Actually. Um, you know, we had his. Uh, we had a minute silence for him before the game. They they laid a shirt, some flowers on his on his seat, um, and I just want to. You know, we did it at the time, but I think I'd like to pay tribute again to the club for how they went out of their way to accommodate uh, the memorial to Glenn and, and sort of looking after our family on the day and stuff. It was an amazing touch. Brian, you know, no longer with us, but well, in the club anyway. Um, he um, he he really bent over backwards and went beyond. I know him and Glenn had a fairly sort of close working relationship, but. It was, um, it's something I'll never forget. And again, you know, it's a, it's a sad thing to remember, but also it's worth paying tribute to the club. We look, they do look after our own. We are a family club. We are a, a supportive club of our fan base in, in a lot of ways. Maybe not so much with recent communication, but, um, you know, when, when the chips are down, their heart's in the right place. So, um, yeah, all credit to the club. It was a real lovely moment for the, for the family. Yeah, it was really emotional. It was uh, it was quite a moment, wasn't it, Mike? Uh, just the, the way they, st- I think, was it the forty-second uh, minute? Everyone rose for that, and uh, the, yeah. applause, the minutes applause. As you say, the shirt on the seat that was quite powerful. My, my lad with me, he found that quite difficult. Actually, he was, uh, you mm. know, he's a, he was seven at the time. He's turned eight now. He had a lot. He cared about Glyn deeply, and seeing that shirt sitting there where Glyn should have been was poignant. And yeah, mm. it was. It brought a few tears to him, that's for sure, that day. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was uh, to a lot of people, I think. Uh, as you say, the club deserves credit for the way they did it because they yeah. get criticised for a lot of things, but sometimes they get some of these big things right and they got that right that day. And it was, I can only imagine what it was like for you and your family at yeah. that point and that time, but I thought the club did all they could for you that day, really. Yeah, it was amazing. And, you know, we have all renewed our season tickets. For, you know, the town was a big part of Lynn's life and a big part of his passion. He told us we've got to keep going. Don't see it as a sad place. So I've moved my son's season ticket into Glynn's seat. So we've still got the seat and the club are very accommodating on that. Um, Elsa and Rory are still going to be there. So we're still going to be there supporting and, and carrying on Glynn's memory. And, you know, I'm probably not going to attend the supporters parliament meetings. I'm not, you know, that dedicated. But we'll we'll keep going in his honour and, um, and you know, fingers crossed the tank and do something. You know, he won't be there to see it. But he was he was so desperate to keep going to as many games. And we watched a few in the hospice with him. Um so yeah, anytime anybody gets a chance to go along to the town, go and support them because you know, you know, you never know when you can't go. So um Yeah, it was strange going to the meadow after Glenn's passing because it was such a big part. And I remember messaging you guys as well about how it's just having him to chat to after games and stuff as well. And, and I'm sure and then we know because so many people have said it, so many fans miss Glenn and Glenn's presence is lost at the moment. He'd be he'd be absolutely loving um 
the, the drama at the moment. Um, and yeah, he'd be also getting his spreadsheet out as well for the the transfer rumours um, at the local BP garage as well. So yeah, we we miss him dearly. It's hard to go to the football back after that, but we, we must. Um, and yeah, in true 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 town style, we can't can't keep happy for too long. Um, we win two games, then we lose three on the bounce going into January, um, and this is when the red cards start kicking in. So um, red card away at Cambridge. Um, a red card um, away at Cheltenham and a red card for themselves as well and a red card um, against Fleetwood as well. A number of them overturned, but yeah, bit of a bit of a theme for Shrewsbury Town. In this period, not many wins, some red cards and yeah, one little highlight in the middle uh, with, that, with that win um, against Bolton Wanderers. And yeah, when Chris ended his section, Chris, um, you and Shrewsbury Town were ninth. Um, in this spell, we dropped down to 14th. Um, and then uh, Mike has the honour um, of doing a, a very nice little green patch um coming up yeah i would say just before we go to that i mean those 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 losses that you talk about over the christmas period would you say they were sort of fundamentally us not pushing for for the playoffs they were against teams who were below us in the league who were struggling um and i think a lot of people look back at that sort of brief sort of christmas boxing day you know new year's day period and think if we'd have picked up more points in there then the subsequent winning run we went on we could have really pushed on and and, and made a push for the playoffs. Do you think that was fairly fundamental in the season? I think it would have given us more hope and probably would have been of a bigger fall. Uh, looking at the, the fixture list and just our small squads, I don't think we're ever going to be able to maintain it. Um, we'd have to have been incredibly lucky, I think, to get through in this period and not have too many injuries. What do you think, Tom? The one thing it would have done is it would have prolonged the season as in we'd have probably have had it more to fight for well into the like late April instead of sort of early, well, the Charlton game was all over really, wasn't it? But yeah, it would have actually prolonged the season a bit longer. Because I mean, you could probably, it's, it's ifs and buts, isn't it? But you could probably say we could have maybe picked up at least eight, nine, ten more points without those red cards that were overturned. Yeah, he said that kind of thing a lot, didn't he, though, Tom, Steve Cottrell as well. He always talked about the points we couldn't, we didn't get. I would say you can counter that with the, the games that we won that we probably didn't deserve to win at times as well. I do sometimes think these swings are swings and roundabouts. And, you know, yeah, there are games you can look at over Christmas where we maybe deserve more. But we've already talked about last minute winners against Bolton and there's more last minute winners to come in a minute. Those are games that could easily have gone the other way as well. So... I do sometimes when I when I used to hear Cottrell say that, I think it, you know it works one way, then it has to work the other way too. So I'm not sure if we didn't actually get overall probably roughly what we deserved. Yeah, they just, I just think on, on reflecting, they just seemed like such winnable games. They were such frustrating losses. I think that that was that's kind of the, the abiding memory for me at that time anyway. But um, yeah, sort of we had a week off after Sunderland home match in the cup that we lost with two 90th minute goals that you know we were one 0 up and we lost in that match, and then we had a, a full week off before the first match of my period against Burton. I don't know what Steve Cottrell fed them or said to them or did. <laughs> a new source the, of Lucas Aid or something. Yeah. The only the only sort of standout thing that happened in that period was Killian Phillips joining. And he was a great addition. He's a fantastic footballer. He had a brilliant spell for us, didn't he? Um, but they came out of the gates um, and the sort of the seven game period that I'm looking at, we had six wins and one draw. You know, we scored 16 and we conceded four. You know, it's, it's a really stunning run of results. You know, we scored, I've done some, I've done a bit of Ollie style stat work. We scored 29% of our total season goals in a seven game period. You know, when you think about that, we took, we took 19 of 21 points on offer in that period. You know, 90% of the points we could have won, we won. 
if you take that section out of the, the season and you sort of average it out like the rest of the season, this was absolutely fun, fundamental and us overachieving this season, I think. It was a, it was a strange run. So um, the first the first match we had was, you know, we came out a uh, game away at Burton, a place that I don't ever remember has been brilliant at, and just blew them away 4-0. Now, Christian Sadie scored in the first minute, and I think maybe that was the catalyst for the full run, really. You know, town were not used to getting off on a hot start in a game. We, we were usually sort of, Compete in, couldn't put our chances away, and then would usually concede. Roughly to say, um, so getting a goal up early and really settling the nerves from you know after after a poor run, you know, and then we went on. So he scored again, Lee Dunkley, you know, four 0 um, and we're pointing out that Dunkley scored in the ninety fourth minute, and that was a bit of a theme in these games, late goals as well. So move on to the next game, which was Cambridge at home. Um, again, we had a 90, 90th minute goal from Lee, but. You know, again, it was a game where we looked so comfortable. It was probably, I would say, my standout game of this period, if not the season. We just looked so good. Cambridge were terrible, but we just went out there and we blew them off the park, basically. Um, worth also pointing out that in that game was Jordan Shipley's goal of the season goal. Absolute screamer from the edge of the box. Um, I, I think that was fairly voted goal of the season as well. I don't think there was any more better contenders than that. Um, it was certainly a brilliant section then. We won away at Milton Keynes Dons, uh, 1-0. Bayless scored in the 89th minute, which was, uh, again, you know, late goal. So it showed, I think, that the team were very fit and very focused at this point. They weren't giving up during games um, and they were really pushing all the way to the end. And I think that's another theme we've got here. Chris, you maybe got something to put in there? Yeah, I mean, the MK Dons game, actually, is sort of goes back to the point I was making a minute ago when, with Tom as well. I, yeah, 89th minute winner. Let's be honest. I watched that game on telly. I wasn't there, but I did see that game. We didn't deserve to win that game. No. Frankly, if MK Dons had won that game, it would have been fair. They battered us. We defended for our lives and nicked it with an 89th minute winner. And it was fantastic. Mm. It was a good goal as well, but we did not deserve to win that game. Definitely not, yeah. But a, a bit of grit and determination, again, it, it, it sort of comes out in the next game. You know, we beat Forest Green 2-1 at home. Um, we actually went one down in this game um, and we're not usually very good at coming down when we go a goal behind because we've only usually got one goal in us apart from this sort of free scoring section. Um, but the goals we scored, Pike scored in the 94th minute and Bowman scored in the 98th minute. So again, late goals, grit and determination. Um, and it was brilliant to see all the things I love to see from a Shrewsbury Town team, hard working, you know, never say die. Um, so that was, a, that was a brilliant result as well against, um, was that when uh, Duncan Ferguson took over? Yeah, in the build-up yeah. to that game, it was brilliant because, yeah, it was all about Duncan Ferguson. He was the, the messiah of football, <laughs> it seemed. Um, and, yeah, all the press turned up. Um, I loved reading there. Um, I remember reading an article um, from one of the national newspapers and um, you could tell that we completely screwed their entire piece because it was literally Duncan Ferguson this, Duncan Ferguson that, and the last line, and Shrewsbury scored in the last few minutes and won the game. <laughs> it's clear um, that what they've done. And, yeah, you know, there was even, though I said this on the podcast at the time, there was a pop, there was a camera from Sky Sports just for Ferguson. Yeah. So I thought I thought it was very sweet that Shrewsbury Town um, came back and, and, and won that game um, and put, um, yeah, Forest Green um, to the sword again, six points off them, which is good to, to obviously get points off a relegated side but yeah I really very much enjoyed enjoyed that game you were at that game Chris 
it's just how late the goals were that makes that one mm. stick in my memory. There's, there's there's late comebacks, and then there's the fact that we were losing after 93 minutes. You know, I mean, we we equalised in the 94th and won it in the 98th. I mean, you don't. I don't think I've ever seen that before. For you know, well, I've been in the ground. I'm sure that we've done it a few times in our history, but I've not been there. So, yeah, it was a special memory for me just for that reason. So, you know, you asked us, Ollie, in preparation for this to pick out our games of the season, and for me, that was one of mine. It was just for that drama and that finish, and then the other one actually that was that Mike's already talked about was the Cambridge game one for how well we played and two because my son was actually one of the mascots that day so that was extra special as well so it was uh it was yeah it was just a special period with some special games so yeah lots to remember from this period yeah and that that Forest game was even sweeter because I think we mentioned on the pod at the time Duncan Ferguson parked in my car park space so I had to go and find another parking space it was a right pain so um yeah we got his one car over was full of rubbish as well wasn't it yeah full of sweet wrappers and that was filthy. it yeah <laughs> He, he didn't pay for a valet. Exactly, yeah, yeah terrible. Um, so then we move on again uh, to Oxford away. Uh, we've got another winner, uh, 1-0 with Bowman in the 74th minute. So, yeah, just more late winners, um, more good results. I don't think we performed particularly well that day either, like Chris says, but um, gritty, grinding out wins. So that takes you to five on the bounce. And then the sixth, the final win in the run was um, a very sweet win against Port Vale at home. Um where we looked comfortably up and then sort of let them back in it a little bit towards the end. But, you know, we were, sorry, we were one down to begin with. So, again, coming back from one down and then we got 3-1 up and then tried to make it difficult towards the end. But, um, again, always getting one over on your home rivals um, is always a sweet result as well and a nice way to finish that period. Um, I think, though, uh, looking back, the pervading sort of opinion of the fans where we run out a bit of gas, we looked a bit leggy, we were scrapping out wins, we weren't playing as attractively as we had in the first sort of, you know, in the Burton and Cambridge games, we'd, we'd started to play the same 11 week after week after week, and we were running the legs out of them. Um, and then I think the extra away game, we just looked a bit knackered. Um, was, I can remember watching it on the on one of the streams. It was a lot of huff and puff. It was a Tuesday night, I think. Um, and we just sort of scraped a nil-nil and got away with it. And that was that was the end of the period that I was looking at. Um, golly, go on. That miss from Bayliss. Mm. Where he was like what a meter out, less than a meter yeah. out, and he hit the crossbar. That 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 was a really really um, yeah. It's a shame we didn't take that chance. I'm sure he had I'm sure he had nightmares about that one. And I think did we not in that period? I think we maybe equaled our sort of record winning run. I think we could have broken it away extra. I, I might be wrong in that, but it, it was definitely sort of close to being a record uh, equaling or beating run at the time. Um, Exeter was to match the record. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm the sad stato. Yeah, Exeter was to match the record. We'd done seven before and that would have got us to seven. So, yeah, we we, we didn't quite manage it. But, yeah, it was was a historically good run. Yeah. And then just, I I suppose, just sort of the the sort of the standard things I noticed going through this for the pod was um, three of the wins were away and three of the wins were at home. So it wasn't like we were relying on, you know, Fortress Meadow or or being good away. It was a very even spread. So the preparation was obviously good no matter where we were going and, and we were set up in a certain way and we played in that way and ground out the results. But um, in this period, Luke Lee got, um, he got four goals, he got player of the month for January. Um, anybody want to guess when our previous player of the month award winner was or who it was? So before Luke Lee, he in January, 23. John Nolan? It was not John Nolan. Yeah. Ooh, no idea. Greg Doherty? No. Do you want to go, Tom? Come on, chip in. Before or after the Hurst season? I mean, it's not going to be before, anything after. Before, nobody won before. it in the first season. Yeah. No. And everybody won it. Oh, no. right. Well, you are going back then. You're going back to like... Unless my... I mean, I probably got this wrong, but I did have a look <laughs> on, the, on Wikipedia earlier on. But it, I got went back as far Kai as... Kai Kai? Kai Yeah. Oh, Kai Kai. There we go. Uh, uh, March 2016, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That um, was a special loan spell, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He kept us up single-handedly that season. He did. 
But I think really notable for Leahy there. That's something that doesn't come along often for Shubertown players to get player of the month. So probably worth reflecting on that. And 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 I think Steve Cox was unlucky not to get manager of the month there. You know, I think the Derby manager won it for January because they scored one more goal than us um, against a fairly fairly similar bunch of opposition. So uh, arguably his achievement was better. But you know, big clubs get the get the awards, don't they? Um, Worth also pointing out, Sadie got three goals in two games. And, you know, he had a real good look spell for us there as well. It's probably the most productive spell in front of goal um, for the club. And um, yeah, Killian Phillips, I want to sort of mention him. He joined us. Um, he scored his first goal for us as well in that period. Had a great month. Um, and I think he was a catalyst for us, us sort of kicking on in that month, giving us extra legs in midfield when we looked a bit tired over Christmas. Um, in looking him up for the pod, does anybody know where he was born? No, no idea. San Diego. <laughs> so then it got me thinking, who was the previous, who was the last American-born player to play for the town before Killian Phillips? It's another good quiz for you here. I don't know, we're doing having a quiz tonight. <laughs> I just thought it was quite interesting, yeah. American-born. American born. truth, okay. Yep. Oh. Yeah. I can think of Canadian, Terry Dunfield. but uh... Not Terry, yeah. No, I, right, I, won't, I, won't, I won't tease that too long. It was Jay Denny in 2005. Of course, yes. So there you go. Came another from Stoke, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just a brilliant period. Um, in this period, we scored seven goals after seventy minutes. Five of them were after the ninetieth minute, and two of them were late winners. So you know, it's it's an amazing period, and I think without it, we'd have really struggled this season. So um, yeah, credit to the team. I had the fun bit, and then I can hand over to Tom to give us back to the drudgery, sort of limping over the line at the end of the season. Best of luck, Tom. Yeah. Um, strap yourselves in. Get yourselves comfortable. Um, yeah, I've got the last 15 games, basically, from uh, the middle of February down into May. Um, it started off really nicely. We were in eighth place, five points off the playoffs, everything to play for. And then we started playing football. Um, starting with the Accrington game away, uh, one the loss. But um, we've, we've had a lot of red cards for us overturned. Well, this was the one game where, well, one of the all games, uh, an Accrington player should have been sent off in the second minute. And who knows what would have happened then? Obviously, with Chris's point about you never know. These things even themselves out. But again, it's 88 minutes with that one-man advantage might have made that a bit different. Uh, a nice little 2-0 win away uh, at home to Wickham, I should say, um, after that. And then then my game of the season, uh, Derby away, which I know sort of stands out. There's 2,400 of us up there making the trip up and across the country uh, to watch a fairly poor first half, to be fair. Um 2-0 down at half-time, um, followed by a, a clever little free kick from uh, Bayliss, I think it was, wasn't it, Bayliss? Yeah. Uh, and the debatable penalty for uh, one by Luke Leahy, scored by Luke Leahy. Um, and, and you say you've got, and you've got to give plaudits as well to Morosi for the, the one of the saves of the season, uh, just before the end of that game, down the other end. But Mike? Yeah, I think when you mentioned Morosi now, I think this is when he really started to to come into his own, didn't he, at this period? I can remember the four or three or four game streak where he was pulling off, you know, match-winning save after match-winning save. And I think this was his, his best sort of spell of the season from this point onwards. And as the team around him were tiring, he was keeping us in games a lot of the time towards the end of the season. You know, I think, you know, worth a credible mention, his end of the season was pretty stellar, I think. He put in a lot of, well, I was trying to work out, well, like, we don't obviously say, have a save of the season sort of award in, like, League One. But that, I mean, there's probably three or four saves he made in the last sort of 15 games, which could have been up for it in the end. Um, so yeah, that was that was probably my game of the season. It was just a really, really fun day out. Um, say, and 
that was probably the last fun day out we had as well, really. Uh, and I say the, the run in, this is the sort of bit we everybody sort of took look at, um, took notice of at the start of the season. Um, and say so in the end, we ended up playing teams that finished in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth twice in Peterborough and eighth. So, I mean, it was seriously, seriously hard work to sort of get anything from those games. But I say we were still fighting for playoffs at that point. I mean, it was it was faint, but I mean, there was still a chance. Um, well, until Charlton and the the, the worst, probably the worst game of the season. Uh, Ollie, do you agree? We always say about Steve Pottrell's side is they're hard working, and they're hard to beat. And this game was just out of nowhere. Such a surprise to lose 6-0. And it was such a... I never watched or even bother watching any of this game back. But it's such a blip in the whole kind of, you know, look at all the results. It's it's the only real spanking we had all season. Um, and against a team that's, let's be honest, we actually started the game above them in the league table. Um, so, yeah, it was a very, it was an odd day. And yeah, you know, I think it just shows you how much um, credit almost Steve Cotter has in the bank because no one really overreacted, I thought. It's, it was a blip, though, wasn't it? I mean, it's, it's like uh, Man United losing 7-0 to Liverpool, like probably, was it a couple of weeks before this game as well? You, these, these things happen, isn't it? I think it was a, a culmination of sort of all that hope building up through the good run and just losing player after player after player. I mean, we were at the point where we were having, what, Cade Craig and, and Josh Barlow on the bench regularly at this point. We, we didn't have any subs of any sort of note to, to really change games bar, you know, the obvious couple that we were bringing on every time um i just i think it just imploded at that point i think it was uh that that was the full stop on the season at that point i think we we, we everybody gave up hope at that point of it being a playoff run and it was a case of let's just try and finish in the top half and then um and also Farnigan got his first red card in this little spell which he'll add to later yeah, and there's not really that much to write out. Well, write home about after that, really. What did we have then? We had Barnsley away. Bowman got sent off. Uh, Portsmouth at home, which was a one-one draw. Um, Flanagan again sent off, uh, followed by three losses against Plymouth, Bolton, Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, who all finished relatively, you know, quite high in the table. Uh, yeah, Ollie. And it's worth noting the bench as well at this point, like the the, the, the squad depth. Was oh, thin, I did. Wasn't it, at this point, uh, it? I'm going to say I think I rate there was there was one game. I say what um was the, what was the game where Craig started? Um, yeah, so that was that was that was a Tuesday. That was a Tuesday night game. Was that the? Uh, it was Plymouth. Was it Plymouth? Plymouth? Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was Plymouth. Plymouth. Yeah, I thought it must have been one of those three. Yeah, that was that was the point where we knew what we'd uh, we'd we'd exhausted all the resources. I think it was. Uh, and to have a bench, to an end. and to have a bench with. No, apart from the goalkeeper, no EFL minutes on the bench. That's yeah. that's a low point, um, and that is a, a big criticism of the manager. Yes, you have injuries, yes, you have suspensions, but that bench it's unfair on the kids. And yeah, unfortunately, quite a few of them have been released now. Sorry, go on, Mike. Uh, sorry, I was going to say maybe that was uh, maybe a slightly early indicator as to some of the disharmony uh, at senior levels at the club, which obviously we'll talk about when. When they sort out what's going on there, but you know whether we did or didn't spend budget in January, you know it came back to bite us towards the end of the season because we just had we just had nobody left, did we? And as soon as discipline problems started spiraling, yeah, we were we were up the creek a bit. So um, yeah, and some of them I thought the story, yeah, the story ever comes. At least one of those red cards for Flanagan was because he was playing injured, Mm. and the manager said that after the game and. Yeah, Flanagan got a bit of stick from fans at the end of the season, which I think is a bit bit unfair. 
the red card against Portsmouth, the, I mean, it was a second yellow at that point, wasn't it? But that only became because of a really, really poor goal kick from Morosi that just sort of skimmed across the floor uh, straight to an opposition to a Portsmouth player. And he just, he was late to it. And he, when he was, if he had had a yard more pace, he'd have been fine with it. Like, so if he, if he wasn't injured, he wasn't, you know, completely knackered by this point in the season, he'd have been all right. But yeah, it's, it sort of summed our season up with all these red cards coming as we had no players left to replace these people with. Uh, and then sort of after that, we had no, well one final nice home game, uh, beating Joey Barton, which is uh, always a positive and a must-do in a season, um, which I'm sure he uh, he won't hold against us next time when he comes back around. Um, Lutely, he enjoyed that celebration, that's for sure. Yeah. it was, But it wasn't as bad as everybody made out, I don't think. You just smiled, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, not like to smile when it... he scores a goal. How did it become such a big thing? How did they manage to blow it up? I think yeah. Deflection tactics, wasn't it, for the manager to it deflect was... away from a defeat? Joey mm. Barton blows everything up, though, doesn't he? I mean, his oh, comments true. through the season are astronomical. The things he says are outrageous, really. I mean, he's, he must be a journalist dream because every single time he opens his mouth, he gives you a back page headline. But yeah, I, I wasn't at all surprised that he reacted to that because he reacts to everything else. Do you remember when we went down to their place earlier in the season and he, he launched into our style of football that day? And be, between some of the hyperbole, some of the things he said were probably true. We are, you know, let's be honest, at times we were a negative side. We did time waste and that kind of thing. But certainly in that Bristol Rovers game, no more than pretty much everybody else does when they're scrapping for a nil-nil away from home and it's late on in the game and you're under pressure, you know. So, But he, he really went for us that day. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by anything Joey Barton says. It's always nice to wind him up anyway, isn't it? So if, uh, oh, long, may that be, long may that continue. Uh, and then uh, we come to the last game of the season, which was Lincoln away, which was really was dull. There was really nothing to note in that game until very late on when... Um, Dunkley brought down a Lincoln player just just on the edge of the box for for our last red card of the season, right at the very end, um, just to round it up nicely. Uh, so from February to May, in those last fifteen games, we managed to pick pick up a possible uh, from a possible forty five points, just eleven points, which uh, was wasn't the best, even against that good opposition. So uh, yeah, ended up finishing the season twelfth, eighteen points off the playoffs, nowhere near the relegation zone. So that was all right. But yeah, it uh, it ended ended like that. Ten months after that Qatar game was uh, called off, and that was the season. Psychologically, twelfth mattered, didn't it? Though, because you know, twenty four teams in the division—that's top half. And we finishing top half in League One is something we've only done twice before since nineteen ninety. So it was a historically good achievement for Shrewsbury Town, and. I was thrilled that we managed it. 59 points is probably a low tally to do that because, you know, you look at Sheffield Wednesday in third place with 96 points. When when the teams at the top have got so many points, I suppose others elsewhere haven't got them. So I'm not sure there's too many seasons where 59th would have been good enough for a top half finish, but we'll take it. We'll certainly take it. And yeah, I'm proud of that as a Shrewsbury fan, I suppose. Ollie? Yeah, and I think it's worth noting we were closer to the relegation zone than we were to the playoffs at the end. So it was a good season, full plaudits, but let's let's put it into context. Um, it was it was a good finish, and twelfth was great, and it will um, it will certainly hopefully help us with recruitment going forward. Um, but let's yeah, let's not kid ourselves. We were close to the relegation zone, uh, but uh, yeah, there was some there was some very good sides in the division last year, um, and it's just worth noting at one point in the season we were as high as eighth as well, uh, which 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 was nice. Uh, 
So yeah, I think with, with the amount, 12th, this, this is good. The sort of split in teams in League One at the moment, well, last season, we're like you've basically got eight teams that are so far ahead of everybody else in that league. To get anywhere near them is, you know, going some. Yeah, that does appear that. to be tough division. That does appear to be the sort of the way the league's going now, doesn't it? It's becoming. I don't know. Have you seen, have you looked leagues. at the league table for next season? It doesn't look as daunting. That's for sure. Mm. There's just a lot more money cascades down into them top sort of eight or ten. Yes. You know, every season they're just stronger teams, aren't they? I think it's just a natural cascade from the Premier League money. Um, yeah, but the teams coming down this year are basket cases, Wigan, Reading, yeah. two basket cases. Um, but yeah. What's stopping them just throwing money at it again? Yeah, basket well, cases with money is well, the point. Isn't it? Well, yeah. right now, it's a fair play. Well, Wigan haven't got any money, not paying their they players. They always end up having money, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know that. Wigan haven't even... They've been, did you see today, as we're, as we're speaking, Wigan's yeah. board have all resigned by the chairman. So yeah. they, they haven't paid their players again. They're already starting on minus eight. That might be minus 11 by the time we start because they're probably going to get another penalty because, as I say, they haven't paid again. You've got, as, as Ollie said, others are in trouble. Blackpool haven't got so much money. I think it's big that Sheffield Wednesday had that dramatic playoff comeback and got out of the division because that's a club that if they'd stayed down, you know they'd have been right up there again. So I was quite happy to see them go, frankly. And yeah, it does feel a level playing field might be pushing it, but uh, it's it does look like a division next year where... I wouldn't be surprised to see a surprise package who people don't expect to be right up there this time because there's not so many big guns, you know. So it'd be lovely if that was us. No idea right now. Let's find out who's managing us and who we can sign. But if it's not us, there's other clubs. You know, Lincoln finished just above us in 11th. I, I bet they're a club who are looking at the league for next year and thinking that could, you know, why, why not us? And there'll be others as well. Fleet would finish the season strongly, although their chairman's in prison now. So we'll see what that does for them. But... It feels like the the division could be a bit more open. So, from my point of view as a Shrewsbury fan, that if we can build a, a decent squad, then I, I still I still think we've got a chance. Yeah, and I'm not usually a positive either. I'm usually the negative one who just says we're going to be seventeenth. So you turned you turned me around there, Chris. I'm very excited now. Yeah, I was all to play for, Mike. All to play for. Yeah. Believe, believe. Get involved. And we have, we've had some interesting stories this year. So we obviously had Mike and his um, Ferguson experience. And Tom, you had a bit of an interest in the end of the season as well. Oh, well, yeah. Um, Bank holiday Monday. Um, well, Sunday night into Monday. Uh, after the Lincoln game, I ended up out in town as the, the young hip guy that I am. Um, definitely wasn't playing darts in the pub all night and then went for a wonder. Uh, and I ended up in... Uh, I ended up in the Claremont Tap to start off with, um, and I met all the Shrewsbury Town players in there and uh, the management team. They were having a, a great old time until they all got kicked out, um, and word went round that they, they couldn't get into anywhere else after that for a, for a long time. Uh, and then we ended, all ended up in Monty's as well. Um, I had a f- few chats with a few of the players, and they all seemed very very happy. And you, you could really tell what a close group it is as well. They were all chanting for each other, all singing for each other. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really nice night. I mean, I, I did go up and have a chat to Cottrell at one point just to ask if he was staying with, you know, a pint of Stella in his hand. He, he couldn't give me a, a solid answer um, of either way. He had a bit of a shrug of the shoulders and uh, see what happens. But, you know, it's it's one of those. It's uh, They had a nice night to round the season off anyway, to say goodbye to each other. And yeah, season was pleasing end. Um, there, um, yeah, finishing twelfth uh, was a good season, and we did have the cups in here. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go through it very, very quickly. So basically, we beat beat York at home um, against John Askey, and had a really good performance against Peterborough, and then also lost to Sunderland. 
Um, in the League Cup, we lost to Burnley 1-0 at home, which is no bad defeat because obviously they did very well this season. Um, so, yeah, that was the season. Any final comments before we close off and look at player of the season and, and look at, go back to our predictions? Just quickly to say on the Cups, Ollie, that Sunderland game, I think it got touched on in the pub, uh, in, in the pub, in the pod earlier on. We were one nil up in that after 90 minutes as well. That, that was like the Forest Green game in reverse. We conceded it twice in injury time. And it was hard on us that day because that was a good Sunderland side. You know, they went on to make the championship playoffs. So they were, they were a good side and we, we gave them one hell of a game that day. And so I'd say much as it was disappointing that we couldn't get any further than the third round this time. You know, we can hold our heads up high with the way we went out. Good win over Peterborough in the second round as well. You know, they're a team that we haven't done well against in recent years. So to put them out of the FA Cup was nice as well. Tom? It's it's also worth saying that with, with you know, in relation to the Cups, that the EFL trophy also happened. And yep, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheers that, Tom. Um, so um, looking at um, Salah Kass player of the season, there's only one name, really, I think. I think most everyone would agree with it. Luke Lee, he was fantastic. He played every minute. He had a fantastic season. He scored nine goals, four assists, um, was often um, uh, a real um, leader in midfield, um, often chirping away to the referee as well to try and get, get decisions. I thought he did really well. Um, and then second, Tom, who would you say we, you put second? Well, you've you've got to give an honourable mention to, to Big Shea. Played nearly every minute this season, solid at the back. Uh, quite a character on on Twitter as well. Um, it's good to see a, a player interacting like he does, you know, without the worry of getting in trouble and everything. And yeah, yeah, Mike. Well, just interesting on that. I noticed something from him uh, a few weeks ago on Twitter, and I was going to bring it up at the end, but I'll bring it up now. Now you mentioned it. He put a very interesting tweet out that not many people seem to pick up on. I just read it out now because I've got it in front of me. He said, "I don't want to put him on blast, but I believe we have a Premiership player in our dressing room right now." He just ain't got there yet. A bit of luck and injury-free, hopefully, you'll be speaking of his name in years to come. Who do you think that is? So that was in reply to me, wasn't it, actually, Mike, if you look at it? It that was, was indeed, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's talking about Tom Bloxham, but I don't know what others think. That would be the obvious one to me, the young player with room to grow and get better. You don't think so? Who do you think? The other one I considered was Bayless. He's still only 23. I yeah, couldn't I, I couldn't I couldn't peck somebody to put on it, really. I, I can't think of anyone. Player in I, our squad. I'd love it. I would be nothing happened would make me happier to see Tom Boxham blast the division, score 20 goals, go and have an amazing career. But after the season had this year, I can't see that happening. But I remember chatting to Dave Edwards and he was saying that Damado could go a level again. Um, you know, That's players see stuff. Yeah, maybe yeah. Damado, but players see stuff. And it might be that he's had a tough, tough season. He could have had all sorts of things going on in his personal life or whatever. Who knows? I've absolutely no idea. Um, but we've got someone in our squad with Premier League potential. That's, that's yeah. nice to hear. I just thought I think, it was a fascinating insight from behind the scenes. You don't hear a lot of that usually. You know what? No. A player's opinion to players. So I just thought it was a fascinating thing to come out really. And Tom Bloxham, you say about things going on in their lives, Ollie. I think the manager a few times said something about stuff going on on his Ollie in in his life. And I did notice on Twitter from his mum, because his mum's quite prolific on Twitter, and she was putting some stuff recently about what he's had to contend with this season. And they were talking about a coach who'd uh, died earlier in the season. I mean, it looks like a sad story. It looks like a, uh, you know, it looks like a suicide from what from what she was saying. And clearly, this guy had been a big mentor to Tom. So uh, you know, things like that can affect a footballer. Clearly, so he has had a tough year. And, and he's a young lad as well. 
yeah, he's still only 19 years old, isn't he? I think he'll turn 20 early at the start of next season. So he's got time. I hope there's more to come from him because yeah. he's the only one, isn't he? He's the only one from our academy in recent times who's got close. You know, there's yeah. no one else who's been getting considered as a regular in the first team squad, even. So yeah, yeah. No, fingers Great. crossed he can, he can, he can, um, he can do well. Anything else on on this season before I lump ahead and look at what we actually predicted, um, like when Tom was last on the podcast? So in terms of um, predictions, um, Glyn went for 17th, Dan um, Hoff went for 18th, Chris went for 16th, Tom went for 11th, I went for 14th. So me and Tom were the optimists and I think fair play to Tom getting 11th, closest. We, we know football, Ollie, we know football. We know what's going <laughs> So that was, that was really good. Um, there's a certain member of our podcast team who wants to take a lot of credit um, for his dark horse, um, but he's going to get <laughs> some stick for it. Um, so in terms of Dark Horse, uh, me and Tom both went for Bolton. I think maybe we're a season too early there, Tom. Um, and then in terms of um, Dan went for Bristol Rovers. Glyn, bless him, went for MK Dons. Um, and then Chris, who did you go for? I went for Plymouth, who won the whole thing. So I'm, I am, And by the way, Bolton were much more fancy than Plymouth Argyle pre-season. So you cannot give me stick for that pick. Uh, were they? Where did they finish the Absolutely. season before? Plymouth, where did they... season before, about eighth? Eighth, ninth. We were talking about Dark Horse to win it. I thought I was. A, I thought I was a reasonable shout for Dark Horse. I, I think it was Dark Horse to get promoted. To be fair, but yeah, it was still a, a fair show. And yeah, um, you, you can you can you can enjoy that one. I've got to have something, Ollie, because yeah, like I say, I was too negative on Shrewsbury, wasn't I? So yeah, yeah, we put a sixteenth, not too bad, and only a couple of places below me. But um, overall, um, I think it's fair to say it was it was a good season. Um, as I said, two peaks, lots of wins, um, some some dour football at times. That's fair to say, um, but I think we can cover that kind of stuff in the in the next podcast. As anyone with a phone will know, um, there's rumours that Steve Cotter was going to be leaving the club. Um, By the time people listen to this, Ollie, it'll probably have already it, happened. It probably probably will have happened. Um, yeah, Steve Cottrell it's unlikely he's going to be a manager, let's put it that way, um, in the future. So we'll we'll do a podcast um, to cover um, Steve, which is, it doesn't, it doesn't, sometimes covering football is, is and doing a podcast and talking about games can be a little bit awkward um, when people's parents follow you on Twitter. I mean, it also makes you be very mindful of what you're going to say about their play, about their son. Um, and also, yeah, preparing to do a podcast when someone's going to lose their job. It doesn't feel, it doesn't really sit right with me. It makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, but it's a sad reality of football. Uh, and yeah, Steve Cottrell's unlikely to be in the dugout um, when we come um, back to, to football in August. So yeah, thanks guys for joining me on the podcast um, this evening. It's been it's been good to have you all on. Mm, thanks, thanks all. Yeah, been, uh, yeah, been good fun. Yeah, Pleasure yeah. as always. Yeah, um, sad not to have Glenn with us. And obviously it's been a bit different yeah. this time. We've, we've kept it short on purpose because um, so much has happened in the last month. Um, and also it's just a different podcast as well in terms of obviously normally we do it with Lewis Cox and Mark Elliott, but neither of them cover Shrewsbury. So I thought it was a time to kind of freshen it up. Um, so yeah, we've got one more podcast to go this season, unless something crazy happens that maybe we'll have to come back again. Uh, maybe we'll have to come back if we sign a, a manager um, of, of note. Um, we'll have to come back maybe and, and do cover that. Um, but if not, we're having a bit of a break um, and we'll be back. So yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, we'll be back again maybe tomorrow, who knows, um, with another <laughs> podcast when we cover um, uh, a new, um, the Steve Cottrell news and uh, when it does finally happen. And hopefully, hopefully, the club 
will actually come out and give us some transparency about what's going on, what's going on with the budget, what's going on with Mickey Moore's role, what's going on with all these things. There's a lot of questions for, um, for the club to answer. Uh, I appreciate that you can't say everything sometimes when these things are happening, um, but the club have got a big summer, really big summer to kind of repair some bridges with the fans and try and get their 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 their, their ducks in a row and, and the ship all going because yeah, it, it's um it's it, the club is not in a great place right now with the fans and fingers crossed they can sort it all out and this will be all forgotten. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, and yeah, final, any final comments? Get behind them. <laughs> yeah fingers that? crossed fingers crossed let's yes, end on a, on a positive actually we've yeah. got a very very good core assume that Nurse and Dodo come back and uh, uh, have good recoveries we've got Shea Dunkley Tom Bayless Shipley Morosi Flanagan some young lad um, Parker who we will cover at some point um, so we've got a really good core there um, so that's that's the hope that we can build on that Mickey Moore knows the division really well um, hopefully he'll find some gems. Hopefully he'll find another Alfie Moore. And we have a striker that scores over 15 goals. That would be nice. I mean, yeah, fingers crossed we can still do other season. I'm not I'm not as fearful as some fans. I don't think. Uh, I think we've got, we've got a good opportunity next season still to push on. So fingers crossed we can do that. Yeah, I think it's worth saying as well. Sorry, yeah, we we start, <laughs> sign a half-decent manager, bring two or three quality additions through the door. In the next couple of months, everybody will calm down. We'll be looking forward yeah, to exactly. seeing you know, it. Seems manic now. It's just they get a couple of decisions right and, and all is well in the world. So, um, yeah, get a kit yeah, out as crossed. well, and all these things will be forgotten. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. Fingers crossed. We're not talking about the third, on the day, the, I don't know, our pre season pod. Get Tom back. Uh, and we're talking about no kit, no manager, no sign ins. Fingers crossed we're not in that, show, in that spot. Change isn't always bad either. Yeah, it could be. I think I think a director of football role um, is something that we've been lacking. So, fingers crossed, he, he can do a good job. So, yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and um, yeah, we'll be back again soon. <laughs>